Welcome to the Creative Condition Podcast, the show where I, Ben Talon, illustrator and writer, invite people from the creative industry and far beyond to share their story of creativity, both the nature and the nurture, the chaos and the calm. Creativity is a fundamental pillar of human happiness, something I'm increasingly fascinated by and so often misunderstood. So little by little, I hope to build an archive of fascinating stories, experiences and tips to help you maximise yours. The show is supported by Illustration X. Go and take a look at their incredible global range of illustration and animation portfolios now at illustrationx.com. If you like the music for the show, go and listen to Dirty Freud over on Spotify and all good music platforms now. Today I'm joined by Design Week editor Tom Banks, who gives us a sneak peek at his fantastic new course, Designers and Creatives, How to Talk to the Press. It does what it says on the tin, but it really gets it under the skin of the value of getting press for your work, how to approach it, how to have conversations and relationships with journalists, and just to get more eyes on that work. Hello and welcome to the show. How are you doing? This is a special bonus episode of The Creative Condition. So I've had a relationship with Tom Banks for a number of years now. Tom being the editor of Design Week, um, I write a regular column, a monthly column, about the nature and behaviour of creativity, much in the theme of this podcast, um, which I love doing. And Tom's great. And Tom's been a journalist for... 15, 20 years, I think now. So he's an experienced guy and he's worked in the design industry and the arts for some time now, coming off the back of working in music before that. So he's got a lot of wisdom to bring. Uh, I'll touch upon that in a moment, but a big thank you to the founding supporter of the show, Illustration X. You can go and check out their global range of illustrators and animators now over at illustrationx.com or hit them up on social media at We Are Illustration X. Do a lot of great work for the creative industry. Um, AOI, Society of Artists, Agents, and the Directory of Illustration, they're in close cahoots. They all do, they all come together to form a nice uh, protective stronghold for us freelancers. <laughs> um, so how are you doing? I hope you're well. I wanted to do this episode because I've, and we will touch upon this in the conversation, but I've been fortunate enough to get press, particularly in my early years as a freelancer, that really launched me into new industries and helped get me projects and exposure to people beyond the areas I was working at the time. Um, because I was sharing work that I was passionate about, I was working in a very with a very personal style that was quite edgy at times, and it picked up a little bit of press in some of the mags like Computer Arts and uh, and Design Week and Creative Boom and a lot of good uh, publications. Sometimes beyond that, creeping into the likes of the Guardian, and it got me seen by people in new areas who were looking for something fresh, something that energised them. And luckily my work did that at the time and was able to get me a couple of rungs up the ladder. But it goes beyond that. You know, PR can be really healthy and it can really help to communicate our passions, the work we want to be doing. It can be a great advert for the work that, you know, you just feel good about, you feel confident about that you want to take the press. And what Tom's doing in his course 
is really giving quite an intensive um, workshop in how to have those conversations, how to best present them, how to maximise the work you've already put the effort into and effectively communicate and build relationships with the people who can take you out to all those people you want to be seeing to, to, to bring about the next opportunity. And I think it's something that we overlook. I remember writing in Champagne and Wax Crayons, my first book, that the word business could often be perceived like garlic to a vampire for us um, more artistically inclined people. <laughs> you know, I remember being asked to write an essay for my dissertation at university and, what? What? I'm an artist. I'm on a visual communication course. And I feel like there's a certain perception of media and PR that we don't particularly need it or we are um, unable to attract that or we just, you know, it's not an area we want to go to. But actually... I've always found it quite fun and it's it's lovely. It's a lovely endorsement when somebody wants to cover your work and you just never know where it's going to be seen. So Tom and I are going to get deep into that. Um, he's going to lay out the basics of what the course is going to provide, but we're also going to get into why this stuff is important because I think if we can effectively communicate the great work that we're doing to the right people, then it really empowers us and it helps to spread the message, especially when we're doing an increasing amount of important work that goes beyond the design industry, you know. We've got many big crises in the world right now, and I think that the visual communication industry is going to have a really crucial role to play in turning the tide with these things. And um, I would go as far as to say it's absolutely critical that we know how to effectively communicate the work that we're doing and, and get it out where it needs to be seen. And I believe that Tom's course is a, is a great leg up in doing that. So we've supported each other over the years. This is not any kind of cheap plug. I just wanted to give him the, the floor to kind of shout about this great course, which um, I am going to be signing up for because I think it's really affordably priced. And I think that for me as a, as a burgeoning author with the creative condition on the way, I'm not going to lie, I need a little bit of dusting up when it comes to my communication skills and um, approaching press, because once I get outside of the, the, the creative press and I want to get to the guys like The Guardian and Vice and all that kind of stuff, then I, you know, I do struggle with uh, with the approach on that and how to structure stuff. So I'm hoping that this course will help. So anyway, I hope you enjoy. Let us know. Get us your feedback at Ben Talon or on social media or at Ben Talon Pod. Hello at bentalon.com on the email um, and head over to illustrationx.com now to check out the founding supporter of the show and talktopress.com to sign up for Tom's course. Let us know your thoughts. Um, yeah, uh, I... I um... I did, did an English degree, did a journal, then did a journalism course, um, just a short one, and then I got into uh, music journalism straight away when I was in my early twenties, which was um, a lot of fun, but not not very sustainable. And that was like lots of independent music mags, um, and um, and then in my mid twenties, I started at Design Week, and I was keen to get to a, a kind of proper trade mag. Um, and worked my way through all the different news jobs. I was a reporter, a senior reporter, news editor, and then I've been editing for um, about six years, I think. Um, so yeah, I've been designing for 14 years, which is, yeah, a long time, yeah. <laughs> you, always, you always came out, I know that obviously there's the, the big overlap between music and, and the arts. Did you always have a kind of interest in design prior to the role? Um, yeah, I think a, 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 lot, of, a lot of journalists will, will over their career will, will change what they write about unless they found a particular niche. Um, yeah, I've always been interested in art and design, but um, since I was a teenager, I, I knew I wanted to be a journalist. And at that time, I was 
obsessed with music like like most people are that age um so that's what i thought i wanted to do um but um but yeah when i found this i kind of really really got my teeth into it it's really exciting kind of social industry and um yeah also um as you know sort of d- design touches everything and um i was starting to see the results of kind of positive things that can come from it and and i felt like i was helping to support an industry that was doing a lot of good basically yeah and there's there's a nice it's one thing that i've always loved about this industry is that it's just there's a lot of open arms and people are very passionate and it comes from a pure place so you know i think people are very happy to you know to give advice to help others and be quite selfless in general i've always found you know obviously that's not a uniform thing but by and large, I remember moving back to Manchester from London and very quickly just being welcomed right back into a scene where I hadn't met too many people beforehand and very quickly felt like you're part of something and that's always a, a huge buzz. Is that something you found from, from your side of things too? Uh, definitely in terms of the, the people, yeah. Um, yeah, I, um, the, the vast, vast majority of the designers that I've met over the years have been uh, yeah, it's really nice people who kind of want to share uh, stories about their work. Um, but as well as the, I guess, as well as the um, nature of the industry, also the kind of stuff that we're reporting on and writing about. Um, you know, we try to um, we try to be more progressive recently, and we're doing a lot of stuff around uh, representation and education, and also, um, you know. Uh, regenerative design and lots of sustainability stuff which all all designers are really kind of tapped into at the moment and that design for good Mm. mentality is uh, becoming a a bigger and bigger thing um which is really easy to get behind and when we're when we're writing about that kind of stuff it's um um it's really energizing do you know it is actually and i remember landing on the page not too long back and seeing some of that work and and and, you know I, i been through a period of actually being a little down on the whole climate crisis thing and and you know and working out kind of working on my own brain and understanding the psychology of that you know the reactions we get to these heavy headlines and the fight or flight reaction and everything else so to go and see a bigger entity than myself doing work around that is actually really quite cathartic and really um empowering you know and and i think that's something there's a lot of isolation in our industry even though it's quite in other ways is quite social and Mm. i think that you know a lot of us spend time working from our bedrooms or in you know in studios and and uh, you know they i've always found there's a good energy at the kind of industry events but particularly because of covid and everything else it's very easy to feel like you are just you know fighting this battle on your own and that you can't do it all by yourself so i do think it's really important yeah yeah for sure yeah so the so the course Give us a little little snapshot of it because I think there's some great themes to discuss here. Yeah, so so it's called uh, Designers and Creatives: How to Talk to the Press, um, and the the essence of it is about building more effective relationships with the press, raising your profile, and also sort of do, doing it yourself. Um, and the the kind of stuff that we we get into are um, how design and creative magazines work and um, what they can offer you as a as a designer um and uh how to contact them so uh although it sounds quite quite trite so how to write how to kind of craft the the, the right kind of email that is going to stand out i mean i i get upwards of 500 maybe a thousand emails a day which is absolutely like face melting <laughs> wow. 
Um, and um, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe we'll talk about this this later as well because it is kind of just my angle, and I'm not sort of anti PR, but um, it's about like how how to kind of save money by doing it yourself, and because because you wouldn't need a PR and uh, becoming more effective for getting things published. Um, we look at um, examples of good and bad communication. So how to basically pitch to a journalist and how to do that in a way that will stand out. Um, and then when we really get down into detail, we're looking at how to write the perfect press release. Um, and um, we kind of workshop some of that stuff and yeah, kind of get into the granular stuff which what, with what makes um, a good headline and introduction top line. Um, and the kind of key to all of that is how to how to think like a journalist and how to how to give them what they want in that sense. So you're writing a um, you're writing a press release as if it were a news story, basically. Um, and some of the important stuff there is to kind of miss out all of the fluff and hyperbole and just get down to the details. And that's what really kind of stands out for them. Um, and we look at um, techniques for being interviewed, which is which is quite quite a nice section. In so you know once you've uh, once you've communicated clearly, you've got your pitch across, you've written your press release, which is which is just a tool to to stand out really, because um, a lot of design magazines will want to move away from that press release and get their own interview rather than just put that straight up. So at that point, when you get the call from the the journalist, um, you know how can you um, best stay on track? Uh, how can you take control of what's on the record and off the record and sort of very specific things to um, help you get your points across in the best way. Um, and there are some other things in there, which I was sort of tweeting about this the other day. Uh, you know, you can, uh, <laughs> there are some things which journalists probably won't like, like asking for, you, um, journalists won't give you copy approval, but they they will, um have to give you a quotes back if you ask for them, for for example. But um, you you know you um you wouldn't go out of your way to do that. You'd only do that if you feel you've been misrepresented in some way. Um, and there's a bunch of other stuff like that that's really kind of tip based and, and very specific. Um, but um and and all of that stuff's to do to do with project work and um how to uh, to get kind of basic news story up on on that kind of work. But we also look at um how to uh, pitch and write a longer piece. Mm. Um, so kind of thought pieces and opinion pieces and how to make those stand out, uh, which is a kind of completely different set of skills. Um, but all, all of this is possible for, for any kind of designer or creative, even if they, you know, maybe don't see themselves as a, as a writer, particularly the, the newsy stuff and the, and the project work that writing the perfect press release. Um, and then um, the benefits of getting to know journalists as well and uh you know how to improve that relationship and that stuff's really easy with a few key tips because we are very approachable um and that's kind of what we're there for and really you can treat us like any other kind of client relationship so um you know informal stuff like just going for a coffee and having a chat um and that kind of stuff helps stand out and cement relationships uh, as well as the softer stuff of just you know getting into people's inbox in the right way um, and then we, and then there's a kind of bit which is supposed to be quite empowering, which is looking at um, media law and the media law landscape. And some of that stuff is 
uh, you know, I'll, I'll be telling people about so they can understand it in context, but they don't really need to remember it. But there's also a kind of media law for beginners bit where they can hang on to a few things that will sort of stand them in good stead. Um, and uh, that's it really. So yeah, we kind of pack it all in um, in about an hour and a half. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's the gist. So what was the initial motivation? I might want to be right in guessing that, you know, I mean, now that you've, you've just said that, you get between 500 and 1,000 emails a day. I'm yeah. guessing you see both good and bad. Is this is this a desire to help people just get better at that? Yeah, um, I think, um, uh, as I said, I, I mean, you know, um, I've got a lot of great relationships with with good good PRs and, and they know who they are and they they do a really good job of, um, of representing designers properly. Um, and there's also the other kind of reason for the, that maybe larger design agencies want might or, or brands might want PRs is for um you know crisis PR or like dealing with a, a really big campaign or something but um if you're um small to medium-sized design agency you can you can do all of that stuff yourself you know um and you don't really need to be spending a large amount of money on PR um, and you can do that quite quite efficiently um without investing a lot of time into it and um yeah I, we get a lot of bad pitches to be honest um and it's it's a shame because with a few kind of key key strategies um designers can kind of take that on themselves so uh yeah it's to it's to help them um and to improve relations in general um not that they're particularly bad but i just think there are um there are more people who aren't confident enough to getting in touch with the press who can who can benefit from that way of thinking mm-hmm. and and in and in that kind of you know in the, under that kind of time pressure that someone like in a role like yourself will be um a little tweak and a marginal improvement can can make a world of difference yeah um i think um the kind of um I mean, we we'll, we'll look at, uh, you know, or, or anything that I share with people and show with people, all the names have been redacted, but we can look at some kind of, and also there were, some of these are a long way in the past because I've been there for a long time. But, you know, we can look at some examples of where people have gone in with some really like wild tone deaf pitches where they're trying to like riff off of some tragic news story or um, uh, or just be really verbose and, and over the top. And those things just, I don't know they just don't sit well and they're just quite annoying so you just need to humanize yourself and um uh yeah just just kind of going with a short to the point email mm-hmm. um and then I can kind of yeah show people how to structure their argument in a really simple way we look at some sort of uh, basic techniques that journalists use when they're training um to get the kind of hierarchy of information in the right order and um when you when a journalist is looking at that, it stands out because it just makes their job so much easier, mm. and they don't have to wade through loads of stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I do think there's a, a portion of, I mean, I, I imagine there's a percentage of people, you know, maybe particularly freelancers who haven't ever really considered the potential benefits of press, you know, of getting press. Um, yeah. I say that because it was a bit of an, my first piece of press was a bit of an awakening and actually really paid off. And it was, I was in, you know, before I had any clients, I would create these quite um, satirical kind of black comedy, very much, you know, shooting from the hip kind of 
create something that's a bit edgy, something, you know, I did these kind of old boxing posters, called it the Versus series. And it was like Barack Obama versus Hillary Clinton. And I called it the Race, race versus Sex Challenge. Now, this was back 2008. And mm. uh, I think they were both running for leadership of the De- Democrat Party. And it was kind of my way of going, you know, I wanted I want to know more about their policies and and kind of I can see that Barack will be the first black man to be president and that Hillary will be the first woman to be president. And it was just a little tongue-in-cheek playful poster that I designed for that and it became a series basically because it made my studio mate at the time laugh and I knew that there was something in that so I shared it and put it around and it got picked up by computer apps at the time and I remember mm. and I remember off the back of that there was a director at Channel 4 that came across the piece and uh, the culmination of that series was Tyson versus Thatcher which was just it was, it was, right. ridiculous, it was ridiculous but it made him laugh so much that it really took root in his memory so he yep. came down to a show that I was a group show that I was a part of in London, and that ended up leading to my first job outside of editorial, which was a, a TV trailer for Skins for E4 that he was directing at the time, very much pulling the energy of that work into a different world. Mm. And it was a big eye-opener for me for the potential value of press when it's work of passion or it's on its really, you know, it's work that you believe in, I guess. Yeah. You know, but I, I guess like, yeah, like, um, you know, work that's, um, uh, that's very kind of immediate and fun like that will sort of stand out for itself. And I imagine kind of computer art saw it for what it, what it was and kind of ran with it and you, you made yourself stand out in that way. Um, so it probably didn't need lots of kind of fluff and padding, but, um, yeah, I mean, in terms of the, the, the benefits for anyone who's starting on that, that journey, I mean, like, like you saw the knock on effect of that just through the exposure, but, um, yeah, it's sort of visibility, um, being part of a bigger conversation, um, some kind of practical stuff like um, like SEO um, and you know some magazines might give you link backs to your site or your your work as well and Google loves all of that sort of stuff um, and then thinking about who you're who you're reaching so other designers and your your peers obviously but also um, design buyers um, in-house teams and you know other your story is a great example because you know other people with um, commissioning budgets or opportunities um and also sort of design bodies uh, yeah so it's a big sort of tapestry and, and community of um of, of people that you'll be able to tap into yeah mm-hmm. yeah no I, just, I, just, I do think it's something that people tend to overlook particularly in my experience of freelancers whereas there's you know there's a lot of fantastic work out there and a lot of um effective work and i think i think you hit upon something as well about the kind of approach and and some people getting it getting it wrong for various reasons i think like a lot of things around creativity it's got to be the balance of professionalism and um effectiveness and personality is that you know is that something you'd agree with yeah yeah um but i think um i think the you know it, the work could be something really irreverent and playful and and that will speak for itself but I think what I mean is you're not, you know, you don't have to be like overtly serious and you're going to be, you're going to be informal in your, in your email, but um, it just doesn't need anything else. And and quite often people just put loads of unnecessary kind of padding or or context and just following through your, your example, like that's why I suspect it, it it did stand out for itself. Um, But um, yeah, it's not about, I think the the kind of the only, the, the, the only sort of sincerity just comes with, um, um yeah just kind of uh, getting it across in a in a succinct way you know um doesn't mean you have to be like too serious yeah do you think modesty plays a part in in because i, I find that 
there's a maybe it's a British thing. I don't know, but there's a there's a kind of a that idea of representing yourself can be quite alien to people. And I find this on the other side of things, being an author yeah. too. You know, it's that you have to be your own representative if you're if you are just you. And I, and I or even maybe even the smaller agencies. And I find that sometimes people are afraid to kind of bang the drum. And again, it, it can't be too overt. But some, mm. I, I find that for some people, the very idea of PR and actually, you know, pitching themselves for exposure yeah. almost comes with, they, maybe they almost think it's arrogance. I think there's there's a risk of that. Right. No, that is true. I mean, that's why if you think about the different ways that you can kind of promote yourself. I mean, if you're if we're just talking about uh, pro- project work, which is one of the core things we look we look at. Um, I mean, on on the assumption that you've made a piece of work that you're proud of, um, it's going to be out into in the world in some capacity anyway. So it's just a an example to uh, a good example of a way to try and push that a bit further and um, see where you can take it. But um, uh, yeah, as as you've been reflecting on with with some of your stuff, you know, there are lots of different personality types of the creative, so it might not suit the um, the introvert as much as the extrovert. But uh, I think. You know, I can show people how to uh, how to to get their project across in a in a concise way in a in in an, an email and a uh, press release that's like a news story, um, with all of the right uh, you know um, the way to show it in its best light with all the right kind of images and everything, and uh, and then it will kind of go on its own journey. You might need a bit more help with the the sort of being interviewed stuff, but um, that's also doable with a few kind of key things. I suppose um, you know the, the same people are, might have the same kind of fears with other kind of pitching to like to, to clients and you know other sorts of networking. Um, so it's just another uh, another sort of string to the bow, really. Yeah, yeah. I think um, it's quite it's interesting when I when I did the um, your mum book, I I asked for some advice from a friend of mine who works in PR. And she was fantastic in the sense that she came back and she kind of stripped away a little bit of that. I was a little too conservative in the way I, it was too formal, basically. And she looked at the nature of that book that it was very raw and it was, you know, okay. street yeah. items and everything else. And she tailored it to to that voice. So she, you know, she came back with a much. She said, "You need to make the headline sexier. You know, you, for the for the yeah, kind yeah. of press you're going to want for this." And that was interesting. Again, it was the it was the fine tuning and the the sympathy towards where I wanted it to be picked up. There was, and you know, the 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 balance between that and the project itself, I found very interesting. And I actually found them doing the PR independently for that an advantage. And I say that because when I did the lend me your ear stuff, we we had someone in PR who owed us a favor who did a campaign but we actually found the campaign didn't it lost a little bit of the the personal soul that we had as independents within that project so I guess you know this is I guess right. I'm I'm championing yeah. the value of, of your approach of, of helping independents realize they don't necessarily need that big agency who maybe can't give it the same passion that they can well no yeah no, nobody knows your work better than you do and um yeah i mean in in the case of your your book yeah you you knew that it needed a quite sort of playful tone or like an irreverent tone to match that kind of work um and um yeah i think that it's the um it's the the, the clarity is the thing that you you would maybe need to hold on to with kind of pitching and promoting that but but keeping the the soul and the essence of the project and you know the same kind of tone of voice which was um yeah, dark and moody. 
yeah and he's and he's and he's quite fun you know there's something i think whether we admit it or not it's, sometimes it's just nice to get that little val- little bit of validation as well because mm. you know press can be you can can lead to big projects it can raise the profile or the, the visibility of your agency but sometimes it's just nice to know that you know the stuff that you're doing is being seen <laughs> maybe didn't you get um uh wasn't Sean Ryder like tangentially involved with that maybe he should have promoted it for you that would have been very fitting. It did help quite a bit, actually. Yeah, no, Sean provided some guest vocals for the book trailer and a mm. quote for the cover. And that came about because our dogs were best friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine what his sort of chaotic PR uh, style well, well, it's funny because um, Joanne, who's absolutely lovely, is Sean's wife, and she, she kind of manages him as a human and as a professional. <laughs> yeah. And um, and she was, you know, she was the one who drove that that kind of had the help that we gave there, and uh, <laughs> you know, but but yeah, again, you know, you you just what's nice. I think I think the point I'm trying to make is that it's sometimes there's no need to differentiate, you know, um, deviate from the fun of the work. It's, you know, we do that. We it's quite a fun job working in design, or you you hope that it is that there's capacity for fun and playfulness and enjoyment. And I think that much like the word business, when you say it's like a PR to someone in the art, sometimes, you know, I guess they throw it in the same bin as HR and it's kind of that sinking, oh, do I have to? But right, okay. actually yeah. I found it can be a really fun challenge, you know, to to actually to try to make that right press release and to get those conversations going. There's a, I found there's a lot of enjoyment and actual fun to be had there as well yeah i I, um no i think there's a good point to be made around um yeah kind of um uh, clarity rather than you know kind of total sobriety if it's a project that's that that needs uh, um needs to be represented in a way that's yeah kind of the, the right sort of tone um and um yeah making sure it doesn't take its personality away Mm-hmm. And what's the response been so far? Have you have you already run a, a round of the course, so to speak? Yeah, we've done. Um, I keep saying we. It is just me. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, three um, three rounds of it. Um, yeah, met some really interesting people. Uh, so they've been um, as, as I hoped and expected. Uh, you know, creative directors of um, yeah, small to medium sized design agencies. Um, in some cases. Uh, you know, they've brought someone along as well. Um, and I guess they're just trying to figure out for themselves before work, before working out who's going to be, take control of this kind of stuff internally. Uh, sometimes it's uh, somebody who's kind of, yeah, like sort of tangentially responsible for press, but they're probably not an internal comms person um, at, at an agency, but also independents as well. So, um, uh, yeah, illustrators and... Um, uh, and and kind of one person band graphic designers you know who just want to get their stuff out there so um yeah a real mix and uh yeah had some good feedback um and um yeah running another one later this month and also going to be going into um uh one design agency to kind of do something a bit more bespoke as well which i, was, I wasn't really expecting but yeah looking forward to that mm. And I think there's there's something I wanted to touch upon within all this as well, and it goes back to what you said about the the work that you guys are doing around sustainability and the, the bigger issues. Um, and I think I, I'm a firm, as you'll know through the articles we've done together, I'm a firm believer in the in the, the you know the, the power of design far beyond the industry, power of visual communication, and the role that it's going to play in in the, the global challenges that we, that we face. And I think that clarity and communication 
is is of course vital to design itself but the ability to communicate and to and to get those projects seen by the people that need to see them is 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 inherently important to those causes is it not um yeah absolutely um yeah i mean it definitely kind of furthers the conversation um yeah today we um we did two yeah two things which kind of which which yeah maybe sort of play into that one's a um uh, a design and um kind of in, in, um industrial design firm and product design consultancy who um have done an r&d project looking at car interiors but um they've looked at um uh yeah regenerative materials basically making car interiors out of coffee grinds and eggshells and all of these unimaginable things and working out their the, the practicality but also talking to other materials companies the idea is the reason that they want to start this conversation is that they're trying to um get automotive companies to to take note that it's possible um, and at the moment they're in a catch-22 where they present this kind of thing to uh to automotive companies uh having already done as much research as they can and then they won't uh the the car manufacturers won't take it any further because it hasn't passed um regulation testing standard so how are they going to do that <laughs> mm. um so uh having these kind of conversations will, will, will hopefully take them on a journey where other people can get involved and, and maybe somebody can help them take it further uh yeah and we did it we, we did another story today which is uh about um yeah as as you'll know design education is is having a, a tough time from all the way from school level right up to to university um partly because several successive governments have um have been prioritizing science technology um english and uh, and, and maths mm-hmm. uh over the steam which is was the arts in there and um uh yeah at, at gcse level um there's uh, there's less funding um, as a, as there is for all art subjects so there's a consortium of um, lots of different organizations who are mm-hmm. rethinking the gcse uh, design and technology syllabus and um hoping to get as much momentum behind that as possible so that um government will um, and policy makers will take note and they won't be able to push it to one side and and again that focus is about less on um, consumer products and more on regenerative design and solving global problems mm. uh, which you know lots of young people are very interested in as well so but but um they're the young people aren't um doing less of these courses because they're not interested in them it's because um pathways are being shut off so hopefully that will change yeah, very much so. I've done a hell of a lot of research and had some great conversations with all levels of teachers and um, people in education as part of this book research. And um, and again, it, you know, it, this this doubles back. Ultimately, I'm going. This book's going to be independent because the first one I did was traditionally published, and um, it, it had ups and downs. But I know that now with the network I've built, that independent is the way for this one. And therefore, you know, I'm going again. I'm going to be the one who has to do the PR short of hiring a PR agency, which I'm probably not going to have the budget to do, and I don't think would benefit this project. Again, it's, you know, what's the good in in spending hundreds of hours of, of time toiling in writing a book and a manuscript and doing all this research if then you lack the communication skills to take it out and get it to the people that need to see it? So, you know, it's um, I think it's very much a great 
you know, but as soon as I saw the course, it, it just struck me as a great idea on on that level. Did Did you publish the other self publish the other books? Were they? Uh, well, the, yeah, everything apart from champagne and wax crayons has been independent yeah. uh, so far. That's I invested in some great courses that a guy called Mark Dawson here in Salisbury actually does. Um, he's done really, really well as an independent author after a similar experience and not so great traditional deal. And then he basically learned the nuts and bolts of everything, Amazon marketing, Facebook marketing, all the platforms. Right. And he distilled yeah. that into a great video course that, you know, it's kind of learn it in your own time type stuff. So I, you know, my wife's a graphic designer, a good friend is my editor who edited the first book. I've essentially got the team in my close. Yeah. It's a cottage line. industry. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so why not use that and try to cut out, you know, the big, the big royalty drop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. Uh, but yeah, again, you know, it is, there's going to come the time when uh, one, you know, the writing's done you can, you, and when you stop being busy writing the thing, you suddenly realise you've got to get it out there and get someone to look at it, <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> to get, and get it to the press. So, you know, and this is the thing with the first one, that one of the, one of the pluses was getting pieces in the likes of The Guardian and The Times. Um, and it was a case of plugging into existing conversations and speaking to the journalists who were already doing work around those topics which again was a learning curve for me so you know is this something that you perhaps touch upon in the course yeah yeah i mean um uh the getting to know journalist thing is is um is, is really interesting i think and um what i was saying earlier about um uh yeah the quickest way to say it is is just um trying to uh, treat that relationship as you would any other kind of business relationship so with potential clients and um you know it doesn't have to be terribly formal so go for a coffee with them um you know off offer to go somewhere near to their office or um if there's something to see like invite them to your studio as well um and i think as as much as um you know breaking the ice and and kind of starting a, a working relationship um it, it's also quite memorable in itself and you know that helps further down the line and especially if you're starting out with um, promoting project work, uh, maybe in a couple of months, uh, they've, they've got to know what your expertise are and the journalist is writing a feature and um, they might come to you for a comment on something that you're particularly knowledgeable about. Um, so, yeah, that's really important. And, and I think um, there is a bit of um, trepidation maybe around uh, around journalists, not as you were saying earlier, not just as you were saying earlier, because um uh, people might be a bit bashful about promoting themselves, but also I think um, you know there's a lot of there are a lot of narratives around like the me the media, which is which is always quote unquote as this big scary thing, and it can be for all the reasons we know about, um, and uh, you know particularly with a lot of you know people's experiences of red top journalism and um, and the tabloids, but uh, the design and creative press are there to represent the industry and um to um yeah promote promote good work and sort of champion these um uh, the, the things that I was talking about earlier like education representation and, and so on um so uh yeah you just need to humanize yourself and um go and meet them or give them a call and uh, get things started that way yeah very much so i mean it takes me back to my early days of you know, trying to get into this industry prior to any jobs. I always remember very much had, you know, art directors and clients on a pedestal because these were the people that could make the dream happen. <laughs> and, um, you know, and I remember that being not nervous. I'm not, I'm not so much a nervous person meeting people, but 
you know, there's a lot of respect there. And I remember turning up with this kind of vision of what these people might be like. And my God, it's a real art director. And, you know, before you know it, you're two weeks later, you're out having beers with them. And it's no different to any other, like you say, any other relationship, really. And and what I think we can overlook sometimes is I think you hit on a good point there about inviting them to the studio, for example. Mm. You know, they're, just, they're just people trying to enjoy their work like anybody else. And I think that you know, once you step outside of the kind of design bubble, sometimes the idea of, like you said, journalist and media can come with unnecessary perception. And, um, you know, I think people just like to get on a jolly sometimes and get the chance to go and see a cool studio and some work. And, and- yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that's that's for the that's where the kind of in, um, inspirational stuff is as well. Like if you've been, um, you know, journalists like they they like the whole process. They like they like writing things up. They like in, interviewing people. But um, if you can actually go out and do that in the field and um, you know, uh, you can go to an inspirational talk, or you can go to a you can go to a studio and see somebody's work. Um, it just makes your day more interesting, and you kind of realise why you're doing it. Um, and it's much better to chat face to face to people if you get a chance, or kind of um, you know see things laid out on studio walls, or um, you know it brings it all alive, really. Yeah, very much so. That human experience. It's I you know given the chance, I always love to do these podcast in person not as practical as it once was now with two young twins and then the rest of it and being in salisbury and outside of the major cities but i will always you know if i will always do it if i get the chance so i went up to london the other week to um visit i don't know if you've come across adelaide demoa's work but she's a fantastic artist she does work across performance and painting and all all kinds of disciplines but she's done this incredible project researching into a british Ghanaian ancestry called um confronting the colonizer really quite deep but she's turned it into this incredible performance piece and i just i, I wasn't going to miss the opportunity to go and see the studio and see the work she'd been creating yeah. these kind of amazing big body prints and and I, I knew adelaide from sharing a studio space back in london but you know i was more than happy to, to pay the train fare to get up there and i know my podcast's not any kind of major media but you know it's it's still coverage it's it's it just crystallizes the relationship a bit more i think as well nice yeah. yeah that's good well um yeah i mean i think we've covered most things what's um how do people contact you and uh and sign up for the course um uh the next one's on the 22nd of feb but i'm, I'm going to be running it again um yeah hopefully hopefully every month uh yeah you can you can find out everything uh at um talking to press.com um and yeah all of the details are on there but yeah, there's a lot more um, in terms of what what I actually do on the day. It's 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 kind of all about uh, you know tips and, and specifics and like I said, how to think like a journalist um, and uh, give them everything that they need so they can help you. Um, and that's like how you make yourself stand out. Mm. Yeah, fantastic, brilliant. Well, uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Big thank you to Tom for taking the time to sit down and chat about designers and creative how to talk to press the brand new course that is running right now i think it sounds pretty uh pretty fantastic to be honest i don't think there's any shortage of um, value when it comes to spending the time to work on those communication skills i think some of us often lack that we don't know how to you know we do the great work and then it's that classic artist thing where some of us are not great at communicating it and getting it out to the right people so i hope that sounded interesting i um, i hope you will consider going and have a look at the course because i think it's a great opportunity so uh, you know where to head talk to press.com 
Thank you for listening, guys. A big thank you to the founding supporter of the show, Illustration X. You can check out their global range of animation and illustration portfolios now at illustrationx.com. Big episodes coming up. We've got the editor of the Idler, uh, sorry, of Idler magazine, Tom Hodgkinson, coming up talking about the need to um, slow down, have fun, and live well. That's the strapline for the magazine, and it's a really fascinating, broad chat. Um, we've got Adelaide Demoa coming up talking her confronting the Colonizer project, which is extremely powerful. We've got Stephanie Powell Baxter, choreographer and dancer, who's worked on Strictly Come Dancing, West End performances. And we're going to be getting into dance and the value of uh, physical expression and uh, something a little different for you there. Anyway, it's all coming up. Cheers, guys. Drop us a little subscription, a review, or just spread the word. It all helps. Cheers. Have a great week.